Hello there, friends. It's your old pal, Aria Hawani, back with another jam-packed edition of the Wednesday Hawani Show. A star-studded lineup is coming your way. But before we get to that, do want to remind you once again, we are in the thick of the NCAA tournament. The men's Final Four is official. Yes, Baylor, Houston, UCLA, Gonzaga. What a Final Four. What an unexpected Final Four. And who better to give you all your college basketball information than the great Seth Greenberg and Dan Dakich. These two give you the inside access to the world of college basketball on their podcast, Courtside, with Greenberg and Dakich. Make sure to rate, review, and follow Courtside wherever you get your podcasts. Also, as you know, ESPN Plus is the official home of the UFC. It's also the official home of Ariel the Bad Guy. We built it. Our hands, our shoulders, every pay-per-view event, every fight night, exclusive originals, extensive archive, ESPN Plus delivers. Sign up right now over at ESPNPlus.com. All right, on to today's show, which does contain some language that may not be suitable for all audiences, so listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Hell. Back in your life on this Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the show. And like I said at the very top, it's a star-studded edition of the show. We're going to hear from Misha Tate, who is coming out of retirement. She hasn't fought since 2016. She's a mother of two now. Remember, she retired at Madison Square Garden after her loss to Raquel Pennington, went to work for one championship, but we found out last week she is in fact coming back at 34 years young. She's fighting Marion Renault, who will be 44 when they fight on July 17th. And it's interesting, this will be her comeback fight. It will be Marion Renault's Uh, retirement fight. And this was a really uh, great conversation with Misha Tate, a very introspective Misha Tate, a very honest Misha Tate. I enjoyed it very much. So I'm looking forward to sharing it with all of you. We also talked to Dominic Cruz, who's one of the best interviews in the game. He's coming off that big win over Casey Kenny. Does he really want Sean O'Malley next? Does he want to fight for the belt? What does he think of the state of the bantamweight division, the return of TJ Dillashaw, all that and more is discussed with Dominic Cruz. We are also joined by the new baddest man on the planet, the brand new undisputed UFC heavyweight champion, the one and only Francis Ngannou, days removed from his exhilarating knockout win of uh, Mr. Stipe Miacic. What a performance, what a story. I mean, what an inspiration this guy is. Um, and has really come a long way as far as his interviews are concerned. So that is coming up as well. But first, I do want to address two breaking news items that happened since uh, Monday, since DC and Hawani. The first one was, unfortunately, Darren Till is out of the April 10th main event against Marvin Vittori. He broke his collarbone uh, in training. Devastating injury. Um, He's in a lot of pain. Not sure if he needs surgery or not, but can definitely not fight on April 10th. Marvin Vittori, obviously very fired up, very upset about this. They did reach out to Kevin Holland. They reached out to a couple others as well. Um, And Kevin Holland said yes. He said he'd be down to fight in, um, I don't know, a week and a half. Yeah, pretty much a week and a half from now. April 10th, next Saturday on ABC. 
crummy situation because it's just the second ABC card ever uh, for the UFC. And so they're just, as of right this moment, as of me recording this, and I hope I don't date myself, but it, it could change any minute. As of right this moment, uh, they haven't approved the Kevin Holland versus Marvin Vittori fight. They're waiting to decide, perhaps seeing if they can find anything else. Um, the co-main for that card is Arnold Allen versus Sadiq Youssef. Probably not big enough, uh, with all due respect to those guys, to be the main event on ABC. So we'll see how it transpires. I think they want Marvin to stay on the card, and I think he wants to stay on the card as well. So we'll see if we get uh, Kevin Holland. And what a turn of events that would be for Holland, who just a couple of weeks ago lost to Derek Brunson. We thought he was going to take some time off and you know, reevaluate things, and now he might be fighting in 10 days. Even bigger than that is a story that I broke late, late Tuesday night. And how about this one? And I and I and if you listened closely on Monday... I sort of hinted that something was in the works. Nathan Diaz is returning on May 15th, Houston, Texas, Toyota Center, welterweight fight. He's returning to fight Leon Edwards in a five-round non-title fight co-main event, the very first of its kind. There's never been a five-round non-title fight co-main event in UFC history. The main event that night, of course, is Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira for the vacant lightweight title. This will be the co-main event. Also, Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush on that card. It's a great card top to bottom. But uh, this kind of started a couple of days ago. The Covington fight for Edwards wasn't coming um, wasn't coming through. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, we know Diaz wants to fight. We know they sort of flirted a little bit with each other online when the uh, Hamza Chemaya fight fell through. And there was Nathan Diaz who said, yes, I want Leon Edwards unbeaten in his last nine Nathan hasn't fought since November of 2019. Massive fight for Leon, massive fight for Nate. He wins this fight. I mean, you can make a case that he's in the running for a title shot. I mean, just it's classic Diaz, making history again, coming out of nowhere, non-title, co-main event, uh, five rounds, just amazing stuff. So that's May 15th in Houston, UFC 262. And of course, we'll be talking about that for many weeks to come leading up to that one. The next pay-per-view, of course, is 261 in Jacksonville. Tickets uh, sold out for that one. That's the three-title fight card headlined by Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. All right, speaking of Kamaru Usman, he is now one of three, three African-born champions in the UFC. Who would have thunk it just a couple of years ago? It's Usman, it's Israel Adesanya, it's Francis Ngannou. Ngannou, of course, the newest. We talk now to the brand new UFC heavyweight champion. And one of the questions we ask him is if he wants to headline a card in Africa. We talk about that and a whole lot more. Enjoy. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, It's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, let us kick things off today with a man who really needs no introduction. There he is, the baddest man on the planet, the brand new undisputed UFC heavyweight champion, Le Predateur himself, the pride of Cameroon and France, the one and only Francis Ngannou. You laughed when I said baddest man on the planet. Why'd you laugh, Francis? Well, you sounds like, uh, you sound like some specimen, not like a person. Well, <laughs> I think you are a person and a specimen based on what we saw uh, this past Saturday and in your last few fights. You know, I've said this to you uh, over the last few years after you picked up a big win, but I want to say now because uh, it probably is most apropos now. Felicitations, mon ami. It's a big deal that you're the heavyweight champion of the world. And I'm just wondering, what have the last three or so days like been like for you? Like, are, are you on cloud nine? Can you even describe what the feeling has been like since Saturday night? No, no, really. I think... Um... I haven't been able to like really understand and collect uh, my emotions, you know, but I just feel like relief of this pressure and everything and happy, you know, I just wake up even though I can really sleep. I don't care. Like, I'm like, ah, I'm not tomorrow morning. I have nothing to do rather than, other than talk to Aria and his, and his crew and all those things. So, it's way more easier to do, you know, so just happy about that. But uh, listen, and but from what I know, like this is something that I've been, I have been waiting for for a very long time, this special moment. And I don't know uh, why I don't really feel it. I mean, I, I feel happy, but I don't feel any different, mm. you know, which is crazy. Maybe it's going to happen at some time, but it's okay. It's, it's great. It's good. So I'm sure you've been dreaming of this moment for a while, what it would feel like to be the heavyweight champion of the world. Exactly. And are you saying like now it's not really equaling what you thought it was going to feel like, at least early on? No, uh, because I didn't know how it's going to feel. You know, I always been like, okay, how did that going to feel? You know, yeah. Of course, you want it to happen. So then what? If it happened, then what? What What would it going to be? You know? And uh, obviously, um, it's just a one step. I'm very happy about it. I can't say any less. I feel uh, very satisfied about this because this this has been a... Um, 
a dream for decade not to become a heavy a UFC heavy weight champion, but to become a world champion uh, in the combat sport. But now we here we are, and uh, it was just funny because like Saturday night, I felt like well, it was one step done. You don't have uh, even a time. You don't even have to take a time. He was just one uh, one chapter, the end of one chapter, and you have to keep going with another chapter. You know, I deal with the past. I don't have, I uh, do this for fulfill some empty hole in my past, and that's how I always felt like uh, being a heavyweight champion gonna make me legit as much legit as a man can be. You know, uh, so I can like uh, let go. It can equal or let's go that frustration that I always had as a kid. But now I am, you know, as such as a man as anyone else. But at least I um, I knocked that out, you know. I knocked the past out. I take my revenge on the life. I mean, that's my own uh, approach of it. So you, do you feel in, in some respects, Francis, like, you have been dealt a bad hand. You had to overcome so much in life. And this is maybe for the first time you winning, you telling life, you you didn't beat me. I beat you in the end. I'm better than you. I'm, I'm able to overcome everything that you threw my way. Yeah, because like as, uh, life in general, but uh, most mostly like my childhood, because that was like, that's like one of the saddest moments in my life. You know, being an adult and being in a, having a hard time is something that you can deal with because you're responsible, you're tough enough, you're a grown man, you can deal with that. But uh, as a kid, I think uh, a kid doesn't uh, just, a normal kid doesn't deserve something, you know, uh, because he, he hasn't done anything uh, and he hasn't had uh, enough maturity to be responsible of himself. And that's why parents take care of kids. So um, I don't complain about what happened in my life, you know, uh, obviously, because that would help me, help me being recognized that without that, I wouldn't be here. But that doesn't make me uh, uh, any less uh, uh, unhappy with my childhood and which was the moment that I set up this goal. I remember like uh, my vision of becoming a world champion was my own way to to step on the stage and then prove those people that was treating me as a piece of shit that, that was treating me that I was uh, beneath them. That is not the case. They was treating me um as I'm worthless, that is not a case, you know? So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to prove this kid that they are wrong. You know, uh, I'm just a kid that didn't have a chance to have a parent who can uh, afford the uh, what I need, you know, uh, in order to have a normal childhood, uh, at least like a school, uh, book, notebook at school, whether it's a pen or a scholarship or whatever was that, or a clothes, shoes, you know. So um, then I'm like, I'm going to prove them wrong. You know, uh, the less that I have, I work hard for that. And in that, any of them, they don't know the um, the taste of hard work. You know, they don't know the value of hard work. I, I earn what I have, but then they just get what they have. You know, so I'm like, I'm going to prove them wrong. But at that point, to prove them wrong, it wasn't like doing something normal. It wouldn't be enough. You know, I have to like 
be in the stage that they're gonna everybody gonna look up and see me and I think I always think uh, being a world champion will be that main stage and here we are so I feel like I'm I'm done with that I have to deal with that but when you think of, about your childhood Francis is there one moment that symbolizes that pain or that disappointment that sadness that that you are speaking about here because you speak about it in very profound and deep terms is there a, you know it's crazy when we're kids and when we become adults like I remember something from when I was five years old. I don't remember anything else, but I remember one day where I was very upset. Do you have moments like that that you can remember even if you were a very young boy? Yeah, yeah. I remember a lot, a lot of it, a lot. I remember after my parents get divorced, I was six, and then I went to my aunt. And from there on, uh, even before that, I still remember many things. But from there on, I remember... Um, a lot, almost everything, and I think uh, that which is at which would get me upset. Those stuff would get me upset, but uh, at the meantime, which is the thing that has always been the fire in me, pushing me forward. You know, this um, being my drive, my motivation at the meantime. Because like, uh, think about it, like be really upset about it, piss off, want to take a revenge, a revenge, you know. So I, I, I truly remember a lot about that thing. Basically, some of those things was I was 10 years old, you know, uh, going to school, going to middle school. Um, I remember all of them, all the frustration, you know, all the time that I've been in school and then uh, – couldn't they had to they had to take me out in the classroom because I didn't have maybe just a single pen to take note. Sometimes just a book. Uh, sometimes I didn't. I haven't paid a, a scholar fee. Uh, all those stuff, you know, over and over, over and over. And then at some point, I just get upset about it. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this differently. I'm gonna prove this wrong. You know, it's not my fault. When you see the video of, of the people in your hometown in Cameroon celebrating, I'm sure you've seen the, the video of them watching you at night. What comes to mind? What do you feel when you see that? Well, um, guess what? I used to see that video because like uh, in the past few years, every time that I fight, they stay up all night waiting for me to fight. Uh cheering for me, supporting me, you know, get very excited. And uh, to be honest, I'm very happy. I feel blessed about that to be uh, from to be from where I was to be uh, to uh, become like the, the the source of happiness of some people and even for, of motivation for some other. And I mean, it's such a great thing that happened. Not in that many people uh, don't have a chance to experience in their, li- their lifetime. And I think it's the best thing that has happened is in my life that I take out of it, you know. I, I just have experienced that very unique experience that uh, few people uh, will have a chance to have in their lifetime. You know, um, when people were celebrating you this past weekend, they were talking about your long journey and where you've come from. And that's very appropriate. But I couldn't help but think of Francis Ngannou in 2018. Francis, when you fought Stipe and 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 you lost that fight, you know, I felt like you were treated unfairly. I felt like unfair things were said about you. 
And then you go out and fight Derek Lewis and you're booed out of the T-Mobile arena. And it seemed like everyone was very quick to say, maybe Francis wasn't who we thought he was going to be. That man in July of 2018, would he have believed that it would have all played out like this? Like, did you still feel or, or was your confidence gone that you didn't think that maybe you would ever get to this point? I remember I had an interview with you at that moment. If you remember as well, I told you, I, I still believe that. I never, and this is the thing, um, I, that might be a flaw or a good thing, I don't know, but I never doubt about it. Even sometimes um, like it's tough, I don't know how it's going to happen, but uh, at least the believing has always been there, and which is the good thing because I never give up, you know, which... Um, I mean, 2018 was a rough year for me, but guess what? I've been through worse than that. Uh, it wasn't nothing surprise, surprising. Um, my whole life has been like that, doubting me, thinking that I can do anything. And I always like, uh, be, I always, it's not like I like that moment, but a, a moment like that make a moment like this even better because you know you um, you feel like you overcome something honestly I would have liked to win a title in 2018 but believe me I, I'm not sure if you would have the same feeling you it wouldn't be the same thing as right now and uh, what I'm also sure I always think and almost always sure about it was like even if that fight went uh, would have been different and I uh, became a winner, a, a champion that night. I think my fall wouldn't be my uh, downfall wouldn't be uh, very far away. You know, because yeah. wasn't just ready, wasn't just at the right time. That fight was, I think, the way that the fight went was the, per the perfect thing that I need. I needed at that time, know what I wanted, but what I needed mm -hmm. in order to to grow up and. Um, I, I never feel like I lost that fight, you know? I didn't have the outcome. I win that fight. And I say it at the press conference, I'm like, this night, I learned a lot about the sport and I have do, uh, learned in the past four years in this sport, you know? And um, yeah, he, 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 that fight built me up. And so when you found out that Stipe weighed in 12 pounds lighter than he did when you fought in 2018. Did you think that was a mistake? Did you, did you think that was a good thing for you? No, I wanted him to get heavier. I know that uh, I, I saw him uh, fighting DC uh, mm -hmm. uh, no long ago in August. And I know that that is an advantage. By the way, I've been trying to cut weight, to uh, cut weight, even though I, uh, couldn't get any better than what I what I uh, uh, did, but uh, wanted to get uh, like my cardio and my speed on point and everything. But I do try to I do have a chef a nutritionist for like the past six or seven weeks and just be very disciplined on what I'm eating or what how I'm doing things very organized. Uh, couldn't get any lighter, but trying so hard because for me, that was a, um, a very asset when it comes to like speed and cardio and everything. I know that even if I lose 30 pounds, I will still have 
enough power to uh, handle the fight. So uh, I don't care about my weight or, or, or being stronger anymore. The only thing that I uh, care about is like my fight IQ and how to be able to manage a fight moving forward. Mm. So uh, you stuff that takedown. The fight is going well. You're showing uh, the full arsenal, the kicks, the punches, of course, but then the takedown was big. What What is going through your mind when it's working out in your favor that he's unable to get you to the ground, that you stuff him, you sprawl? Like, I, I would imagine your confidence starts to grow a little more, right? Um, he should have. I didn't fit anything because, like, what happened? What happened at that moment was, like, he just remind me uh, the same thing that I've been, the same position that I, I, I have been through during my training camp, even before my training camp, during the process of preparation, is just remind me such those great moments with wrestling over and over and over and over. I've been in this situation so many times uh, in the past uh, year, in the past year, just to uh, develop my skill, just to develop my reflex and to work on my wrestling and everything. So I was there. And to be honest, uh, I was even thinking about to take him down. I'm like very confident about my wrestling, but uh, and my grappling, but didn't want to be the one taking uh, being taken down, even though I I believe that I could handle that. But uh, was like, okay, if he we want to, we have to go down. He has to be on my term, you know. So that was the plan, and I was very confident about that. So yeah. I we we get we had a uh, I think we had a best training camp we have we had like so far the best training camp and like for the first time I didn't just train to win I was training to like really I was enjoying not like striking not like boxing obviously I love boxing and all these things but like started I start to enjoy like being a martial artist. Like just now, like either way, like sometimes I just I'm just in the gyms, uh, sparring with with uh, partners, with teammates, you know, rest, whether it's wrestling or whether wrestler or striker, I just feel like I'm becoming a nice martial artist. <laughs> That's the scary part about you. It still feels like you're scratching the surface. You know, I made this analogy on Monday. I feel like you're the closest thing the UFC has ever had to Mike Tyson because you have that power. You're an intimidating presence. But yet when Mike Tyson became champion, it felt like, all right, this is Mike Tyson, the finished product with you. It still feels like you have so much more to do and, and, and to improve on. Like you're just sort of beginning. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And that's exactly what I'm, how I feel like, and that like, okay, I'm like, okay, if I keep working like this in the next two, three years, where would I be? I would be very far skill-wise, you know. Um, I didn't grow up doing a sport, uh, being an athlete, so I, did, I didn't, before MMA, I didn't have any sport experience. Um, most of those people has been doing it for their entire life, so they have, you know, they just have this last gap to go. My own gap, my own way to go is very big. Uh, my own space of improvement is very big. And I'm just excited to like uh, get into that and to see the outcome of that, to see what uh, I, uh, what I will uh, become in the next three years, two, three years. 
I think it's gonna be something amazing as a uh, fight as a fight uh, IQ. Now, were you tired going into the second round? Because it was noted on the broadcast, and I noticed it a little bit. You, your mouth was open. It did seem like you were breathing out of your mouth. That maybe you were getting tired. Were you tired at all? I always breathe out of my mind. Out okay. Of my mind. Uh, okay. So, so uh, yeah. No. Look at my body language. Like, yeah. Uh, even I, I stood up. I stood up like ten minutes before uh, the second round. My coaches, they say, how you feel? I was good. Then I'm like, stood up. Give him the message. I stood up. I was bouncing. I feel good. I'm like, okay, get warmed up. Let's go, you know? Hey, listen, I, I know exact. I know exactly what happened in 2018. And uh, this time, I do everything that it takes not to let that happen anymore, you know? Um, 2018, it was a whole mess. The training camp wasn't good. I didn't, I can't even consider what I had as a training camp. Did I have a training camp in 2018? No. I was out there in the short, I think it was five, six weeks uh, doing the deal, um, handling this, doing this promotion all the time. Sometime I was uh, out here in Vegas, like filming for promotion stuff until like 1 a.m. in the morning. Uh, travel from it was just a whole mess a whole mess like this time I'm like okay uh, we're gonna do things different it has to be time we have to take time and if there's stuff to do we have to spread it over the time mm -hmm. don't squeeze me I don't want to feel squeezed I want to have time I want to give myself a chance to get better to get there in shape I might not be, but I don't want uh, somebody to be uh, like an excuse. Let me give give my fully be present, you know. So, and that's how we make it. Last thing on the fight: Did he hurt you at any point? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, just before he get caught, he's counter me with his right hand, and uh, I'm like, damn, at that specific moment because. <laughs> We've been watching. We've been watching this his tape, and his best tape, best pound punch uh, uh, is always the uh, back forward right hand. And when he hit me with that, I'm like, "Damn, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. Don't rush. Don't go in the wall, the wall." So I was stopping, and then I stopped. Like, okay, he said. Then he just came forward that time. I'm like, okay, so it's coming toward. I was set. I was calm and I think that's where he get exposed but yeah he touched me with that punch but I mean I felt it but um, yeah I felt it it hurts but I wasn't hurt like couldn't feel nothing no. I just like okay don't rush because the whole thing hey man <laughs> this whole training camp this whole fight was based about how I gonna control my temper in the octagon and so the crazy thing is uh you you beat the most successful heavyweight champion of all time you knock him out it's incredible you finally get the gold and then a second later we're talking about the next one and it's john jones and he's tweeting and it almost feels like deja vu of last year and he's saying cut me and all this stuff and all this drama how do you feel about what's happened over the last couple of days how do you feel about this whole john jones situation 
Well, um, I think, I don't know what exactly is happening between John Jones and the USA, but I think there is something wrong. And I also think uh, he's, he's handled it maybe a little in the wrong way. Um, but I don't know what's happening. Listen, that's not my business. Uh, there's a lot of contender ready to fight. And there's a lot of fight here. Uh, for the first time, I'm the man who making the call. I don't have to sit down and wait for people. Uh, they are waiting for me and I'm ready. I can choose to fight. And I want to fight uh, maybe two times this year. So I hope that fight happens. I would love to fight. If not, moving on. You know, as I said, I'm ready to fight in the summer maybe in August, so I can survive in December. If it was up to you, though, your top choice, would it be John Jones? Yeah. If it was up to me, yes. John Jones is a good one. You know, just take the best heavyweight of all the time out, then take the uh, pound of pound, uh, guy, the number one pound of pound guy, guy out. You'll be great in the resume. You'll look good. And I'm just curious, because a lot has been said about him wanting to get paid more and, and all this stuff. But what about you, Francis? You're the champ now. Like, are you, is, is, just, is it just a matter of, all right, you know, Francis, here's your next fight or are there talks that need to happen for you because you're the champ now? Well, I want to get paid more. Obviously, if that's the question, I think yeah. everybody pay more. You know, um, I want a good term for that fight. I want it to be, in a good term, in my favor, or at least uh, with more benefit. But listen, I'm in the contract. I have to fight. You know, I don't want to. Um, I think uh, the best is is to come. My future is just there. I have a big space to take everything that I want. A last thing for you, Francis, and thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, if I look at you right now, I see the belt behind you. I see the big smile. You're living the dream, right? And sometimes we forget about the journey and everything you've been through, and I don't need to go over all of that. But I'm sure there's a kid, a young man who doesn't have a lot to his name that might be in Africa right now, might be somewhere in Europe, who is trying to become the next Francis Ngannou. But there are a ton of them. But he, but he has nothing, right? And, and he's down and he feels like he'll never go anywhere and he'll never make it to Las Vegas. He'll never make it to the arenas. What do you say to that young man right now who wants to be you and end up where you're at? Well, just to persevere, just to believe in yourself, to believe in his dream. Yeah, you might never get in Las Vegas. Yes, you might never get in the UFC. It's okay. As long as you try your best, I think that's what matter, you know. I remember like when I started this in Cameroon, they treated me as I was losing my mind. Like I was crazy. Like what the f is that you're talking about boxing? And I was just talking about boxing, which is a classic sport, which is the Olympic sport, not even an MMA. And uh, he was all crazy. I'm like, have you ever seen somebody coming from here and get there? Basically, a guy like you from the village 
who doesn't have any support and anything. Look at those guys. They give you some example of people who has even represent Cameroon to the Olympic uh, game and all these things. And then I'm like, look at Eton. He ended up like they don't. They didn't do well, even though they have like way more chance like you. Like just forget about it. Keep doing your stuff. Keep keep doing your motor taxi or keep carrying your. Loading trucks and stuff. I'm like, man, I, I wasn't born for this. This was this is just like surviving, you know. I just believe in it, and honestly, I always think about it like, okay, there wasn't, they are no wrong, you know. This is a fact. They are laying down a fact. Nobody have has done it, but listen, I'm there and fair. But if I don't try, what I know do know for sure is I gonna beat myself up forever so at least i try i try hard i give my best and if it doesn't work i'll be in peace with myself that's that was the mindset going into it you know it was all about to give myself a time time to persevere to go hard to try hard and get there and even when i get in france uh i could have like uh there was giving me like some trying to give me some small job that you can do to get some money with somebody paper because I didn't have paper that time. And I'm like, okay, you might do that. But if you get into that system, how long are you going to be there? Five years, you're going to be doing the same thing. And what about your dream? I give myself a few years. I tried. I give it all. If it doesn't work, well, guess what? I had tried. So that was the mindset going to that. So I think uh, the most important when you have a dream, when you have something going on, is to try hard. If I, I today, I think I uh, succeed in my life. But succeed in my life is not, I don't think I'm succeed because I'm a UFC champion or because I have a house or because I have a car. My, pers my perception of success is like uh, because I never give up. You know, I never let anything take my dream out of me. And that's my, that's the thing that I'm more happy about. That's my own success. That's my, the thing that I'm proud about. Yeah, that's something that, you know, uh, you can lose everything. You can lose money. You can lose house. You can lose everything that you get. You can lose the UFC there. You can, but you can not, nobody can tell from you. It like self-believing. You know, it's yours. It's the only thing that you get and will last forever. That is amazing. I, I'm so happy for you. You know, I've been covering this sport a long time now. This is one of the best stories that I've ever come across from what you've been through, my friend. Homeless in France. There needs to be a Francis Ngannou story, like a movie. Someone is working on this, I would imagine, right? The, the Francis Ngannou movie, the life story, because what you have, the odds that you have overcome to get there. And I know, and I love that you say the belt doesn't define you and it doesn't mean that you are successful just because you have the belt. But my friend, you have overcome so much to get to this point. It's truly remarkable. So I hope there's a movie and I hope you get really uh, a ton of money off of this movie because you deserve it. The movie, the movie, there is a work behind the scene on it. My ma manager, Michael, Martin Michael, he's been working in a lot of stuff. But the most interesting thing for me right now you know, I always have this dream. I always have it, this title for a book that uh, I think is a perfect time to to put some work into it. Uh, Born slave, become king. 
that has I have this title with me for like 10 years and I think it's a time to write to finish that book and to Don't publish. Sleep Become King Bond Slave Oh Bond Slave Become King Wow Don't Slave Become King, king. I'm the king now man <laughs> Hey you are the king You were thinking about this 10 years ago though Yeah yeah You that, knew the book that, was going to be written Yeah but I I believed it 20 years ago, I was nowhere near to all of this, but I always believed it. Amazing. I can't wait to read it. I look forward to it. Francis, you've given me enough of your time. Thank you so much. Again, félicitations. Le Predator, the baddest man on the planet. I can't wait to see how the rest of the story plays out. You've got some big moments, some bigger fights, some some more money, bigger spotlight, all that stuff and more. But I'm happy to see your smile because I remember just last year, how upset you were, how frustrated you were. You weren't getting your shot and uh, it, it didn't seem fair. So I'm really happy to see this all worked out for you, my friend. Enjoy the title. Enjoy everything that comes with it. And thank you as always for the time. I really appreciate it. Time is the best asset to overcome everything. With time, everything comes together. Amen. Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Ariel. I appreciate you giving me time and always a pleasure talking to you. All right, now let us say hello to the greatest bantamweight champion of all time, of course, from WEC to UFC. He's the man who built that division. He was victorious just a few weeks ago in Las Vegas against Casey Kenny. You know him. He is, of course, Dominic Cruz. Uh, Dom, great to talk to you as always. Uh, haven't talked to you since the fight against Casey Kenny. I'm just wondering uh, the victory. Did it, you know, there was so much talk about, you know, first uh, non title fight in seven years and first three round fights. Have, did you feel like you got a monkey off your back getting that win? Like what, what was the feeling that you felt after that victory over Casey Kenny? It's just nice to be back. Uh, if you want the truth, it's a, it's a testament to myself that I, I knew that if I put in a full camp, I could look like myself. I could be myself. I could fight like myself. And um, the past two fights before that, I just did not have, the camps I needed to, and it showed in my performances. So um, what's important to me right now is, especially after that win, is getting in a full camp, having the time I need to prepare for these athletes because they're the best. They're all the best in the world. Um, I don't see Casey Kenny losing a lot after that fight. I think that he's going to hold his ground pretty steady and uh, the other people that he fights are going to have a tough time with him. So that's, he's good. The rest of the division is very good. So, um, it just taught me a lot about where I'm at and that I just need to make sure and get stay healthy in these camps and I can go out there and perform the way I need to at a high level. I know you're very critical as far as being an analyst, but you're also critical of yourself. Were you happy with your performance? Yeah, I was. I don't, I went back and watched that several times and I don't see a split decision. This is me talking from um, real, like without being con- attached to it. I believe I controlled the pace of that fight. I believe I controlled what was going on the entire fight and I was safe the entire fight. Um, and I, I controlled the pace and everything. So I thought I won that handily. It was not as uh, close as the, the judges wanted to say the fact that anybody gave him that fight is mind blowing to me, mm-hmm. completely mind blowing, but you can't be too mind blown because you know, the judging in our sport is very hard to understand right now for everybody. That's why, when you go to split decision, that's the last thing you want because you just don't know what the judges are going to do. The last time you went 15 minutes, like three full rounds, I don't know if you remember this, 2009 against Joseph Benavidez. Joseph Benavidez. Of course so, I remember that. 
So do you feel like when you go 50, I mean, of course you've had fights that have ended, you know, um, quicker than 50 minutes, but it's a 50 minute fight and it ends as opposed to a full 25 minute fight. You feel like you get the full, you know, experience. Did you get it all out of your system? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. That's 15 minutes of fighting is definitely good enough to get it out of your system, but it also gave me a look at, um, where I've won so many fights, you know, in those championship rounds and why, and, how it, how it feels to go five rounds compared to three. And man, it's such, when you've done as many five round fights as I've done, you realize what a gift three rounds is, is, yeah. is the best way I can put it. It's, it's way less uh, taxing on the body preparing for it in the camp. And that carries into the fight when you show up healthy. Now I want to clear something up with you because I'm watching the post fight show on Saturday and there's our friend Shell P. Sonnen talking about Sean O'Malley. And he claims that he gets a text from you saying that you are interested in fighting Sean O'Malley. Now I'm not trying to disparage old Chael P, but you know, sometimes he doesn't mind bending the truth a little bit. So I wanted to go to the, the actual source. Did you in fact text him that? Well, I'll start with, I'm glad you said it, not me. Okay. Errol, because <laughs> you, who, who else knows Chael besides you and me on the level that we know Chael? Right. Not very many, only right. if you work with them. Right. So you know, Chael, let, let's talk about what he benefits to get the facts straight from, from throwing my name out there at this time. Okay. What does he benefit? Well, he's currently a promoter of a grappling organization on Fight Pass, is he not? Yes. And if you type his name, what's the first thing that comes up is his Fight Pass promotion. Mm -hmm. So if he attaches my name to a relevant matchup that he likes, now his name goes viral and everybody's pulling up his fight pass uh, uh, okay. grappling matches. Okay. So you got to think there's always uh, an agenda when it comes to Chelsea <laughs> and it's an, and it's an agenda for himself a hundred percent of the time. And I mean this with love to Chael. Like I would even go as far as far as to consider him my friend. And in his mind, he probably thought this was a friendly thing to do for me because I didn't run out and shout somebody out the way he does. That's right. how he works. You know, you should, you got to do this. That's Chael. You know this. Yeah. But like you said, he does bend the truth and he definitely bent the truth uh, over backwards on this one. Okay. And I, I, I did not text him that. In fact, six months ago, I'd say he called me before I had picked this before I had like picked up this fight with Casey Kenny and, and agreed to it before Shelby brought it to me. He asked me if I wanted to be part of his grappling promotion against Sean O'Malley or against Roman Bravo Young. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, why would I go do this when I'm still planning to fight? And I said, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to fight. I, I plan on coming back to fight. He said, uh, respect, you know, and that was it. And so then he brings this back around and creates it again. And it's just very, very chill sudden of him to do so. But I did not text him. Dude, wait, um, you didn't and, text him a thing? Like you didn't even text him something else that he, not even a thing. I, <laughs> no, not, not a thing. And, uh, this is the honest to God truth. Like why this is, this is why I first wanted to go in what he benefits from saying that, okay. which, which now you understand, but the other side of it is, um, what do, why, why would I reach out to him when I could come onto your show and hit a much larger base talking about it myself? And why would I come to him and text him in the background? If I could just call out Sean O'Malley myself, right? And why would I call out Sean O'Malley or anybody else in the division? If you really look at the landscape of my career, what I've done, I'm an ex-champion. TJ Dillshaw is an ex-champion. Cody Garbrandt's an ex-champion. Um, 
Henry Cejudo, if he decides to, to grow a pair and come back, he's an ex-champion. So all these people have targets on their back as ex-champions beyond uh, Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling. So that's a, that's a whole lineup of people that, that if you call them out, you benefit because having that asterisk next to their name to fight, to face one of these guys that has been an ex-champion creates momentum for somebody's career who's in the top 10. So I'm at a place in my, in my, in my uh, career where I don't, I don't need to call anybody out other than the champion themselves. Uh, if I really want to move my career into a place that makes sense. So I, I've been waiting on, on Sean Shelby. That's the other thing. I have a relationship with Sean Shelby. I could just call Sean Shelby and say, that's the fight I want. Right. Do I really need to go and text <laughs> Chael Sonnen on his show where he could say I'm watching and tell him that I want to fight Sean. No, I, I would never do that. I would never need to do that. And there's, I have too many outlets with you, Sean Shelby and myself that I don't need Chael Sonnen to, to air out some news randomly out of nowhere and, and let this be known. Chael Sonnen is a promoter. Now he's not a fighter. He's a promoter. And what do promoters do? They promote their event, tying his name to, to my name and to Sean O'Malley in a matchup, promotes him, promotes his brand. Not, not me. So let me ask you, are you interested in fighting Sean O'Malley? Now, that's a good, that's the next question that I knew was coming. Am I interested in fighting in, again? Yes. Do I need to call out one specific person? No. Am okay. I saying no to one specific person? No. And I could also see how that would be a matchup that people are talking about. You know, he faints a lot. He uses his range well. He's tall. He's long. I'm tall. I'm long. I use faint. We have a lot of similarities. And, you know, if he's an up and coming athlete, I'm sure he's watched a ton of my fights and saw how I was successful. And I see that he uses a lot of stuff. So no, I'm not opposed to it, but I haven't talked to Shelby or anything. And I'm just getting back into training again. Now I'm nursing uh, bursitis in my left elbow. And once that goes away and I get, I'll be in it this whole month. We'll, we'll think of something and we'll get back in there before the end of the year. I'm going to fight again. Ideally, which month? It's a good question. I haven't, let me, let me get this full month of training in again after the fight. I just started again this week. It's been three weeks since my fight and I'm feeling healthy and I'm getting back in the gym right after this. I'll step right. Mm. I'll, I'll leave this interview and walk into the gym and get back to getting in the rhythm. And once we get in the rhythm, me and my coach, I'm like, yeah, this, yeah, that we're going to talk to Shelby's going to reach out. I already know. I mean, all these people are going to reach out and it's not going to be hard to find me a fight. Right. There's a lot of people that want to fight me, Ariel. I have to say the one that really got me excited just kind of for nostalgic reasons, but also it sort of makes sense right now, considering where you're both at was you versus Aldo, you know, the king of 145 at WC, the king of 135. What do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Look at, look at all the matchups. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a fun fight to watch and I'm, I'm a tough matchup for anybody in the division. Everybody knows that. So you could match me up with anybody in the top 10 and it'll be amazing to watch. That's why there's no specific reason to call out one person because I've got my hands full with anybody in the top 10. That's a fact. Anybody in the top 10, I have my hands full. They're all, they're all world title holders. Casey Kenny was a multiple time world champion in another organization. So all these guys in the top 12, top 15, our world title holders and other organizations, maybe not in the UFC, but they're still champions. So I got my hands full with everybody there and uh, whoever I get lined up with, I'm going to definitely have to put in my work like I'm doing right now. <laughs> Could I ask, cause it was the night that you fought. And obviously when I think of 135, we think of you, um, what do you make of this whole Piotr Jan, Aljamain Sterling situation? And uh, you know, the, 
the way it unfolded, but also the aftermath and how Al Jermain has behaved as this new champion. Man, I, I only have one, um, one mindset for a champion and, and that's it. And it's not my place to judge. This is just my experience of what a champion should be. If you're not making the people around you greater and the people watching you greater, better, learning something, growing positivity, then you're probably not a very good champion. So other than that, what are we doing? If you're not, if you're not bringing some kind of growth to the sport or to you or to the people, then, um, you know, you're probably a little bit inward focused, selfish, on your, selfish, focused on yourself. So I don't know if he's doing that or not, but the, I really don't, I have no judgment on that, but that's what a good champion is. So if he's, that's up to everybody else to look at and decide, and that's my own opinion of it. So, um, I don't know what he's, I don't know how he's responding other than he seems a little bit angry is all I can say. And Perion seems a little bit angry, rightfully so. These guys had a weird ending to a weird championship fight that was competitive, but man, what a controversial ending. Is there any other way to put it? You can do nothing but be, but ask questions after that. Right. So I think that all the questions in the gray area that took place in that creates a lot of interpretations that people are taking a bunch of interpretations. They're making interpretations fact. And then that creates the gray area, which is all the unanswered questions. Okay. Um, so, so who do you think wins between Corey Sanhagen and TJ Dillashaw? Cause that seems to be a number one contender fight. How do you see that fight playing out? Um, when I look at the matchups, I mean, I have said it before, what's the hardest fight to tell what's going to happen. It's anybody who's been on a layoff. Uh, those are the hardest ones to read because you don't know how TJ is going to show up. He could show up wrestling nonstop for the first time in his career. For all I know, he could show up just like he did early on in his career, nothing but striking. And um, he's just been, you know, who knows he's been out for two years. He's had double shoulder surgery. He should be healthier than ever after that layoff. And uh, I don't know how he's going to show up. I don't know what, what tools he's going to use. So, but if I look at Sandhagen and how he's shown up, um, I see, you know, a striking battle between these two. And I think Sandhagen gets the better of him in a, in a pure striking battle. Okay. Um, do you think Jan gets the better of, of Sterling? So far, I mean, when you watch that last fight, you can't really assume anything else. It, right. Jan stayed very composed. I mean, there, he didn't ever look shook in that fight for even one second, if you ask me, other than when he was debating kneeing him in the head or not. That was right. the only time <laughs> where you saw him really like thinking about something. <laughs> Um, two last things for you, Dom. Appreciate the time as always. Uh, I remember many moons ago, you telling me this line and it stuck with me as one of my favorite lines that anyone has ever told me in all my interviews. When I asked you after you beat TJ that, you know, um, you, you, I asked you, was it that the greatest and happiest moment of your, of your life? And you told me the happiest moment of your life was when you realized you didn't need a belt to be happy. Do you remember this in Boston? Um, yeah, that was, and so, that was a crazy night. It was a what 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 comes to mind when you think of the night? By the way, that wasn't my question, but you just kind of shook your head. It was just a crazy night, man. I mean, that to to do what I after what I've been through with losses and wins and just throughout my ups and downs of the career to win the title like that was you're never going to see something like that mm -hmm. again. Like where uh, a layoff like that and to come back and win and beat somebody like TJ was on a on a streak the way he was. 
So I look back at that and I think in the moment I couldn't really appreciate what I had done because one, I just got done with a crazy fight, Mm -hmm. but two, I hadn't really faced losses yet. When you face loss, it it makes you very appreciative for the work that you do in wins. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful for that night looking back at it, but it was just a crazy night to get that done. To be honest, it was, it was crazy, but still I stand by what I said. Um, that's what gave me the power to get to that point was knowing that there was more to me than just being a title holder. And so I'm wondering if you don't ever fight for the belt again, will you be okay? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I look, I just fought a Casey Kenny that everybody was talking, uh, down on and the guy's good and it doesn't fit. I'm here to compete. Uh, you can't really force yourself into hope into like one set mindset where if I'm only going to fight for the title, otherwise I'm not good. It's like, no, I'm just, I'm here working up the division, just like I've always done. Like you said, in 2009, I faced Joseph Benavidez um, for three rounds. And that led me to the next, the next fight, which became a title shot. So it's like each fight gets you closer to where you're looking to be. Um, I'm always looking to be at the top, but I'm not, I'm not sitting here like waiting on something. It, I just got to take what comes. And the only thing I got to wait on is my body being healthy. And right now it's healthy. And I can train every single day. So I know as long as I train every single day and keep putting, the, keep putting in that work, um, when the opportunity comes, the work will be done and my body will be prepared and healthy and I can go out there and perform. When I'm healthy, I perform at a championship level. Congrats again on the win. This is our first time speaking since then. And I look forward to what's next for you. Thanks, Ariel. And there will be a lot next. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to go train to get ready for you guys. All right, let us talk now to the former Strike Force and UFC women's bantamweight champion, the one who made news last week. She's coming back. Yes, after years of asking her if she would come back, we finally got that answer. She is, in fact, coming back in July against Marion Renault. She is the one and only Misha Tate, who's kind enough to join us. Misha, great to talk to you again. How are you? And congratulations on the big announcement. Thank you. I'm, I'm over the moon. I'm very excited. I'm great. I'm, I'm better than great. Okay, so I'd love to talk because, you know, we've talked a few times since your your retirement in 2016. And, you know, you always ask, oh, do you have the itch? Do you miss it? All that stuff. When did you first kind of notice that you were starting to think about coming back? I would say it had to be right around this, the, the time that I had my son. So that would be about nine months ago. Um, and it was just a combination of things, right? It was the fact of, you know, the pandemic, I think, actually had a lot to do with it. I think the forced slowdown again, where I had to sit back and kind of understand again, reevaluate as I think people did around the world, like what is really important. Family's important. Time is important. Dreams are important. And there's only so much time we get, you know, with each one of those things and boiling it back down to basics. Really, I, I, um, I was pregnant and I was like, you know, the the borders closed, the gym shut down. I couldn't train. And I just really realized right then how much I missed it, how much I missed all of that. Um, And I think having it all taken away, I mean, to the point where I had like none of it, we couldn't Mm -hmm. grapple. I mean, Singapore is extremely strict, right? No grappling, even the pools closed, all the gyms closed. That kind of like having it all taken away from me made me sit back and realize like how much I really love it. And it also kind of lit a fire for me to want to get out from that space into a better space. And that just made me want to, I don't know, it just made me want to compete again. 
So at, at the time that this is all going down, you're still in Singapore working for one championship. Your, your, right. uh, your husband's over there as well. Husband or partner. I want to get that right. He is my partner. Yeah. Part- okay. Um, yep. When do you move? Cause you're in Las Vegas now, right? Yep. So when do you move to the United States? So I moved back in September. So I had my son in June, but I knew I wanted to fight like in June. I knew that I wanted to fight again and then moved back by September. That was also part of the reason why I wanted to come back. Right. Because I wanted to be able to train. I wanted to see what I could do. Um, so my goal was to fight, but obviously there was a ton of moving parts with that. That was my goal, but I knew that I had to balance a lot more things in my life. And also let's just see like physically, if I was even like on that level still, right. I mean, there was a lot of questions I had to answer just for myself. I mean, just saying you want to fight or knowing Mm -hmm. you want to fight is not enough. Like I had to prove to myself first that I was still capable of that, that the sport hadn't passed me by that. I wasn't, you know, that I hadn't just lost it all, lost the step, you know? So I came back and I worked my way back into it and sparring with some of the very best at extreme and training and grappling, wrestling and doing all those things and getting the feedback from my teammates, you know, like when somebody walks up to me, like after a practice and they're like, shit, Nisha, it's like you never left. And they're not even knowing I'm going to fight again, but they're just like giving me that kind of feedback. It's like, it's good. You know, that's, that's where I wanted to be. And then I was like, okay, I'm on track for this. Like this goal, this dream of mine is not so far fetched. Like I could definitely do this. And those questions were answered very, you know, very quickly. And, and now I have a great support system as well. So I feel like this will be the first time in my career where I don't have a ton of detractors, you know, taken away from a lot of the things that I believe I could have done, you know, in that first run of my career. And when you say detractors, do you mean internally, like on your team or outside? I mean, well, really both. It was mostly my personal life, to be honest, like, uh, you know, my relationship uh, with my ex, who I know is no secret, but, you know, not to be no namely. Um, like, you know, he he's a good guy at the end of the day. I wish nothing bad for him. I want him to be happy and all those things. I just am very glad that he's not a part of my life moving forward in this because there were just so many things that didn't um benefit me mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. to really be the very best version of myself you know you have to give everything to this sport you have to give as much as you can and you have something taken away from it something that's you know mentally and emotionally exhausting you there comes a point where you just have nothing left and that's where I found myself with Raquel you know I just wasn't able to engage in that fight the way that I wanted to and that was uh, very depressing. It was really depressing. I was, I was struggling mentally and emotionally, and I was in a very dark place and, um, I needed to, I needed to take time away. I needed to take time away from everything. I needed to separate myself from all the things that were taking, um, away from myself and answer questions and get out of that dark space. So I did that. Did you know, uh, in your heart going into that fight, win or lose, that that would be your, your last fight? No, not at all. Not at all. It really wasn't until the fight happens. And I, cause you know, there had been so many, I mean, every fight before that, I'll be honest with you because I was in that relationship from the very beginning, from the very, very beginning. So at like my, my very first amateur fight, every fight I went into, there was always so much taking away from me. There was always so much taken away from me mentally and emotionally, but I always was able to just turn it on anyways. 
you know, to turn it on. Like I would always just be like, it doesn't matter that you're tired. Now, Misha. It doesn't matter that you've been crying for the past two days. It doesn't matter that you're depressed. It doesn't matter. You still have to show up and do and, and, and be the best. Um, and you know, it just got to a point where after years and years and years of dealing with that and it getting worse and worse and worse that it, the bad really started to outweigh the good. And now, you know, he was a great coach and gave me great skill sets and great things, but there was no separation between the coach and the home life. It was like the coach always came home with me and it was a constant braid and there was the fights and the arguments and the emotional, you know, just not having his understand understanding, which you think, you know, he would being, uh, having been a fighter himself. But, um, so I think where I was going with that is, uh, you know, it was every fight. I was always able to turn it on anyways, despite, despite of, in fact, of, you know, facing the adversity. And it just finally came to a breaking point where I just could not handle it anymore. I was just imploding and I was caving in on myself and I felt like something had to give. And that's what it was. It was, it was, it was my relationship with the sport. And, um, you know, mind you, we were separated before my last fight. I know some people, cause I wasn't very clear on, you know, my personal life and even taking the time away, but we were separated, uh, like almost immediately after the Amanda, uh, the Amanda fight. And then, okay. um, yeah. And then I was just like, again, just in a pretty depressed place. But when I say separated too, you know, there was still contact because, we tried to do just the coaching and, you know, being separate otherwise, but he didn't want it that way, obviously. So there was constant pressure of like wanting to, uh, wanting, wanting more, wanting the relationship to be rekindled. And I just didn't want that. And that was very, that was very ugly. Um, when you walked out of that cage in, uh, in New York in 2016, Madison square garden, did you think in your mind, I need to fix some things in my personal life and eventually I'll come back? Cause you were still, you were still so young. Like you're only 34 now, you know, we're talking five years ago. You were still so young. Um, did you think, okay, if I fix some things, obviously a lot easier said than done, but I'll be back here one day. Or did you think in your mind, that's it. I'm done. I'm never fighting again. At that time, I was pretty convinced I was done. I was sincere about the retirement. Let's just say that. However, I always kept that in my mind. I never closed the door, like slammed it, like I adamantly will never come back. But I really believed that that was enough, that I had had enough. I had been doing it long enough and I wanted to know more about myself. Like what, you know, Misha Tate, the fighter and what, like what else? I mean, because that's this kind of a scary transition, right? A lot of people make that too late in their life and they don't have anything else to jump to. And so I thought, you know what? I'm almost 30. Um, I want to know Misha Tate, the what? Now I'm Misha Tate, the vice president of one championship, right? I'm Misha Tate, the Fox analyst. I'm Misha Tate, the commentator. I'm Misha Tate, the mother. I'm Misha Tate, you know, and, and now going through the fighter, uh, a fighter again, you know, so I've answered a lot of questions and, and given any, I have no concern about, you know, what's next in my life, what those next chapters can offer. I've already kind of went through that over the past four, four and a half years. And it's been a beautiful process. I've learned a ton about myself. I feel like a much more whole person, a much more stable person, a much happier person. And these are all things that, I feel like will really benefit me when I can go into my next fight and just have that kind of clarity. It's just something I never had before. And so you mentioned the, the role with one um, you've been around the fight game for the last few years, working with one championship over in Asia. Um, when you were considering coming back, why didn't you go back to one? Why didn't you fight with one? Or did you have to go back to the UFC 
considering um, your contract? Yeah. yeah, I had to go back to the UFC. I okay. had to. Um, so I, cause I left mid contract or not even mid, you know, we, we, I re-signed when I fought Amanda, fought the, the championship, excuse me, I'm sorry. I re-signed when I beat Holly, signed the championship agreement, right. Which obviously locked me into uh, more fights that I did not complete. So you know, rightfully so. I owe, I owe, if I owe anybody those fights, I owe the UFC those fights. Okay. So you didn't even consider, you know, some people like Rumble Johnson recently got let go when he came back. Did you consider asking them for a release or did you want to go back to the UFC? Well, I put it this way. I asked about a grappling match under the one championship banner and the answer was no. So that kind of (laughs) solidified that i'm like well okay obviously they're not going to allow that they're probably not going to allow you know anything more than that but you know it's fair enough because the ufc is really what made my brand relevant and popular and you know where people care about it right they elevated my brand i worked hard i fought did a lot of the right things but you know without the ufc i don't think people would care very much about misha tate so i think it's okay that you know that they still have a stake in the in the claim stake in the claim, stake in the game, whatever I'm trying to say here. I think you understand, right. That they, you know, they have those rights and, and I'm happy to fulfill them. I get what you're saying. And I'm not trying to stir the pot. I do disagree with you. I think people cared about Misha Tate and strike force as well. Um, you could say maybe they elevated and they brought, yeah. you know, new eyeballs, but you were very relevant and very popular pre UFC. So I wouldn't sell yourself short on that. Um, at what point do you reach out to them and say, I'm ready to come back? When did that happen? Before I even moved back to the U.S., so probably, so I had my son in June and probably by August, July or August, I reached out to Dana and like, honestly, he blew off like my first five DMs. I DM'd him on Instagram because he didn't have WhatsApp, right? And I was over there and I couldn't really, I couldn't text him. Um, Well, maybe I could have, but I had an Android. I wanted to know if he saw it or not, right? You know, that control, a little control thing. I want to know if he read it. So that's why I went through Instagram. So I was like, if you can see it. And he would like read my message and just not respond. What? Yeah. Like he read my message. I was like, hey, Dana, I was like, I want to, I I want to fight again. Um, You know, I was like, not sure exactly my contract, this, that, you know, and they're like, nothing, like no response, no response, no response. Finally, I, I was like, I'm just going to text him then because maybe, I don't know, maybe someone else is running his page and just, mm. you know, checking his DMs and he's not seeing it. Okay, so I, sh- I make sure I have the right number, send him a text, no response, no response. I'm like, the hell? Okay, I was like, okay, so then I started to kind of lose it. I started to go off on him a little bit on Instagram. I was like, I am going to come. I was like, I will find you. I know the PI is. I'm going to come to your office. And I was going to, and I started to get frustrated. And then finally, he just said, he responded finally with come home. That was how we responded. Come home. And I think because I, I obviously before I made that move and the jump, right. You want to know you have a tree to jump to. So I guess my, my thing was like, do I have a place with you? Do you still want me to fight? Like if I'm going to make this commitment, that means potentially leaving one championship move, obviously moving back to Singapore, do I have a place. And uh, when he said, come home, that was enough reassurance that, I mean, that was a yes in my mind. Um, okay. So I just took, took that and I, and I went home and I met up with him in uh, September, I think it was right after I moved back and just kind of sat down. He's like, so what are you doing here? I was like, what do you mean? Am I doing here? I was like, I want to, I want to fight. And he's like, I think he wanted to make sure I wasn't in a place where I was desperate. I think mm-hmm. he wanted to make sure that I wasn't like doing this for money or cause I had to, or some, you know, some other reason that would be other than being passionate. But I was like, no, I, 
He's like, I really want to fight. I was like, 145 or 135? He's like, I'm leaning towards 145. Um, and that's what I said to you. I was like, I'm thinking 45s just so I don't have to cut weight, right? He's like, well, 45 is a rematch with Amanda. And I was like, so is 35. <laughs> right. In a way, I'm going to get there, you know? Like, so it's Amanda at the end of the day, regardless. So um, he's like, okay, I'm probably thinking 45. And then it was like, and then, you know, months went by and obviously the 45 pound division seemed to, I don't know exactly what's going on with that, but I just kind of, like, I just decided, look, there's like two girls besides Amanda. I think there's Felicia Spencer and Danielle Wolf. So like, I want options and I want to stay busy. I don't want to be left hanging in a division that doesn't have fights for me um, enough to keep me busy anyway. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'll go down. I'll go back down to 135 and uh, yeah, work my way up there. So that's kind of the conclusion I came to. And so if you met in September, um, why is it taking so long for you to fight? Like, why is your fight July 17th? Why not sooner? Um, to be honest, I still needed to like get myself in really good shape. Okay. Right. And prove that I can do that because there's, there's top, there's, there's talking and then there's doing. So I had my son in June. So mid June, so it was July, August, September. So it was like three months postpartum. Right. So it was still like, I still have a lot. I was like, let me come back to you. Let me show you. Let me just make sure I'm just, but I want to vocalize. I want to make sure that this is like, and have you understand that this is what I want to do. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start training. I'm going to see if I can check all these things off the checkbox. And I'm going to come back to Dana and be like, look, I'm in good shape. Sparring's going great. All these things are good. Everything's going the right way. I didn't want to make an announcement and um, get everybody's hopes up and not be able to do it. Cause mm. I mean, that was, that was realistic, right? So that I, that I may not, you know, physically, maybe my body wasn't where I still had tons of things to answer, but I knew in my mind, this is what I want. I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. But before I put the pressure on, before I get everybody excited, before I do all these things, like, let me make sure that I'm, you know, I can make this, uh, you know, this trans transition successfully. And so far, like everything went really well. And I was thinking actually June, I wanted to fight in June, but getting back down to 135, just want to make sure I do everything right. I have more on my plate this time. I have two small children, one who I'm still breastfeeding. He's only nine months old. Wow. And, you know, so like, there's a lot, like I'm, I'm a full-time mommy and I'm a full-time fighter and that's really what has all my focus. But, um, so I wanted to make sure like I breastfeed at least for a year. That is like number one, most important thing to me. So my son will be a year in June. So if I stop after that, you know, anytime after that, probably when I go into quarantine actually is probably, I would imagine when that, that, that transition will wow. stop. That's wild. What, what, what timing there, how it all uh, aligns. Yeah. Um, how much of a say did you have in the opponent, Marion Renault? Um, you know what? I didn't really want to pick my opponent because I didn't want to seem like, um, that, you know what I mean? I didn't want to do that. Like I, I, I told him I was interested in Yana, to be honest. I was like, well, what about Yana? Because I thought, look, she's five, she's ranked number five. She's been winning fights. She's doing really well. And, um, and so I just asked, I was like, I'm curious, like she, she, I think she'd be a really fun fight and she's really good. She's got fun, fun striking. She likes to fight. She doesn't run away. She can do all, you know, um, so I did ask about that, but I was not, I did not bring up Mary Renault. That's not a name that came, came across my way, but you know, when they said, um, that time wise and the fact that she was on her retirement, they first, they asked me like, would you be okay with that? And I'm like, yeah, I was like, of course that would be fine. So then they went and asked her. And then it was like the next morning it was out. Like wow. I didn't even know she had accepted actually until like the news broke. So 
it happened really, really fast. Um, I was, I was a little bit blindsided by it too, to be honest. But here you are uh, fighting yep. July 17th against Marion Renault. It's funny. You're coming out of retirement. She is going to retire. Um, and in your mind, how many fights till you get back to Amanda? How have you mapped this out? Cause obviously, as you just said, that's the goal, right? To get that right. rematch. Exactly. How many, how many, I mean, let's be honest, 135 is, is, is pretty shallow right now. You're, you're yeah. all of a sudden now the second most famous person in the division. Um, your old friend, Juliana Pena looks like she wants a, a crack at Amanda, but other than that, there's not that many new faces left for her to fight in your mind. Right. How many more fights before you get back to her? I think this sounds crazy, but I think it could be as little as two wins. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's crazy. Yeah, I, I think two solid wins. Like if I have really good performances and I win, you know, I do well. I could see Amanda being my third fight. I could see a year from now, to be honest. I could see like July, the, uh, you know, uh, international fight week. I could see that. Um, I could see as, I, I mean, I could see more. Obviously I could see, I would say between two and three, but I think this little list would be two, you know, but we'll get, you know, there's a lot of ground to cover before I get to that point. Of course, you know, I've got to stay really focused on Marion Renault because, you know, she could spoil your night real fast and she's a, a really good fighter. She's very solid, but people look at that and there's a lot of pressure on me, believe it or not, because I, I think people expect me to win that fight. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, but I, I would think that at least my expectation is right. I have to, there, there's no other way that I get to a title. I have to win that fight. And she's lost her last four, but I don't look at it like she lost her last four because it was so close. Like those fights were very close. And then she has like submission over Sarah McMahon. She hurt her in the striking department. She submitted Jessica Andrade, who's incredibly difficult to finish. I mean, and she's never been finished. You know, so her losses are always very closely contested. So she's much better probably than people are seeing on paper. And that's always a little bit scary when you take on somebody who other people are, they just look and like, oh, she sucks. She lost her ass. I'm like, no, she doesn't. She really doesn't suck. She definitely does not suck. She's a really good fighter. And so I know there's a, you know, big challenge for me, but I also think I have to have a really good performance as well. So you know, I do have that in the, in the back of my mind, like this first step is very important. So I just can't look too far ahead. Of course I have my long-term goals. I do want to fight for the belts again. I do want to be a champion again, but none of that is possible if I don't, you know, I, I look at it that way that it's not possible if I don't, if I don't win this fight and do a good job. Are you surprised at how good Amanda has become? Oh man, I'll tell you what, when I fought Amanda, we didn't know that Amanda was the Amanda right. that we know now, right? It started with me and she really showed that. And then she fought Rhonda and she crushed it and she fought Cyborg and she crushed it and she's continued to. So, I mean, I remember watching Amanda fight in Invicta, um, Strike Force, and you know, she was uh, always a good fighter, a solid fighter, but I don't think I ever would have picked her to be the goat at that time. So I guess, sure. Like she surprised me now the expectation we understand. And I think that's, what's different about the first time I fought her. Right. We didn't know that she had a right hand from hell. Like we didn't know that she never really did that. I mean, she got smoked by cats and Gano pretty much. Um, and just like, you know, it's, you just learn so much when you get that, that experience with her and just to be able to see everything that she has done since then, you know, I'm very proud of her. I think she's done a great job carrying the torch for, for women in this sport. But I mean, 
we didn't know that then we didn't know the Amanda then that we know now. And so that adds a lot of, you know, a lot of perspective and in, in a, in a potential rematch. Will you be training at extreme couture for this? They're obviously in the news these days with Francis and it was good to see you shout him out on Instagram yeah. as well. Eric Nixick and company. Uh, it's great to see them still thriving in the sport. Will you be there for this, this yeah. camp? That's where I'm at. Yep. That's my home. I don't ever plan to leave it. I love it there. So it's, it's an amazing gym with an amazing family of fighters and, yeah, it's home for me. And and lastly, Misha, you know, um, I would imagine a lot of young women would view you and and even males as well. You're you're an inspiration for many reasons. Now being a mom and fighting and coming back and everything that you're juggling, but also when you speak about where you were at in 2016 and in a dark place and a relationship that wasn't going well, and it's very hard to to walk away from that because you were together for so long. Can you describe? like the Misha that I'm talking to now compared to the Misha tape that was in Madison square garden, how much happier you are and how different you are. Like I could even tell off this call right here, like us, you know, looking at a screen, I could tell that you're kind of illuminating when, when speaking about your family and being a mom and and all that and where you are in your life. Um, And if, and, and if you had advice to people who were, who are struggling and who want to break free, but can't break free, what would you say to them? Man, it's tough because every situation obviously is a bit, uh, you know, it's individual, you know, depression, mental illness, you know, these are things that I think people struggle with on an individual basis. And there's certainly not a one size fits all solution. But what I can say about myself and my personal experience was that I was really empty. I had given everything I had to give. And I felt like there was no way through, like there was no, like I, I had to, I had to step back in a way and I had to cut ties with pretty much everything. And I had to just go inside, you know, in myself and reflect, ask myself those difficult questions. You know, why do I feel this way? Um, How can I fix that? What can I do to make myself feel better? And so, you know, what I did was um, I went on a road trip just myself and my little dog scooter you've met scooter before and I took him on a road trip for a couple weeks and I just did whatever made me feel good in the moment I just went and if I I saw a sign for the beach I just took a left and I went to the beach and if I was going you know and a friends hit me up like hey we're you know we're doing whatever. Like if you're coming up through California, I hit up some of my friends that I knew would be along the way. And I met up with them. I trained if I wanted to train, I stop and wine taste and camp out somewhere. If I wanted to like it, that's, it was soul searching basically is what I'm trying to describe. I did a very deep soul search and took time to get away from any of the toxicity and I remove myself from that. So I would recommend if anybody can, can remove yourself um, as difficult as that can be. I know because I was in it for nine years. I was in it for nine. It took me a long time. There was many failed attempts that I had to exit that relationship. Many failed attempts, many, but don't give up on yourself. You're stronger than, you know. Um, and once you get to that point where you have no other choice, but to be strong, you'll know. And, uh, just make, you know, make the decisions that are best for yourself. And that's what I did. And that's what I have to do. And now I'm, I'm so blessed for it. I am so grateful for the life that I have now. It's given me perspective because when you have those moments of darkness and you have, you experience those bad situations, 
those are there to give you the perspective and understand how good it is when you have it good. And I have it great. And I'm so full now, like my heart is full, my life is full, like my support system is amazing. And um, I'm genuinely excited to see like, what can I do? Like Misha, Misha 2.0, I have learned so much. What can I do with all the right things going my way? My way? And um, that's where I'm at. I'm just in a very good place. I'm very happy and I can't wait to go fight and go home and squeeze and kiss my babies. It's like, it's beautiful. It's going to be, it's going to be an amazing experience. That is wonderful. I am, uh, I am thrilled for you. I'm really happy to see that it's all worked out very well for you and your life and your career. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Welcome back, Misha. Uh, I think everyone's very excited to see you back and I yeah. uh, wish you the best in this training camp. And of course, in the fight in July, thank you very much. It was great to talk to you once again, especially now as a, uh, as an active fighter once again. Yes. Thank you, Ariel. Appreciate it. All right. So phenomenal stuff. One of my favorite shows in a while from Francis, from Dominic Cruz, from Misha Tate. Thank you very much to all of them. You can check out all the interviews on our ESPN MMA YouTube channel. Also have a new interview up with Patty the Batty Pimblet, who is uh, one of the latest signings by the UFC, former Cage Warriors, featherweight champion, big time Cage Warriors star, fighting at 155, considering going back to 145, the pride of Liverpool, very, very popular fighter in England, finally signed to the UFC. You'll recall um, in the old days, the MMA Hour days, we had a conversation where he actually said he turned down the UFC and uh, he, he spoke about that, whether he regretted it, some tough times that he's had to overcome. So stay tuned for that. Also a conversation with Roman Reigns of WWE fame, the universal champ. We got the universal champ. We got the heavyweight champ. There's a lot going on. UFC, WWE, a lot going on in the world of uh, combat in April is shaping up to be a phenomenal month with uh, you know the ABC card and then the 17th Whitaker Gaslam and then the 24th, of course, the three title fights, UFC 261. But also you got a full month of one championship on TNT, Wednesday nights beginning next Wednesday. You got the return of Bellator this Friday. You've got um, PFL returning April 23rd. You got WrestleMania next weekend. I mean, oh, you got uh, Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. April is a fantastic, fantastic month for combat. Bunch of boxing as well. Uh, No UFC this weekend, but there is a ton of MMA as always. Brave CF50 on Thursday. CFFC 94 on Thursday as well. Also CFFC on Friday. But the big one of the weekend is the return of Bellator to Mohegan Sun, their first show on Showtime. Patricio Pitbull Fahed against Emmanuel Sanchez, semifinal of the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix. Patricio Pitbull, one of the best pound-for-pound fighters on the planet. Always exciting when he fights. Usman Nurmagomedov, 11-0, making his Bellator debut. Also Tyrell Fortune against Jack May. Neiman Gracie versus Jason Jackson. Looking forward very much to this card and seeing how they present uh, MMA and their long-awaited return to Showtime. Also on the uh, undercard, you got some familiar names like Roger Huerta as well. So that's this weekend. Of course, a reminder, uh, no DC and Helwani on Monday, but I'll have some other stuff for you. So have no fear. Do not worry about that. For now, though, I am out of time. Please continue to rate, download, subscribe, and review. It is very important. We appreciate you very much. I will be back next week. Same time and place. Until then, I say peace. I'm out of here.